and welcome to episode, what episode number is it? 605 of the podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear. It is Monster Kid Radio. I don't know why I'm raising my voice. I am your writer, host, producer, Derek M. Cook. Welcome to the show. Kind of a different kind of show this week. We're going to catch up on a few of the emails that I have here, some comments that were made regarding Shin Ultraman and some other stuff as well. And then I'm going to kind of take you on an abbreviated trip to the Hollywood Theater where I had a chance to see a movie on the big screen that deserves to be seen on the big screen because it's about a big moth. Went to go see the original Mothra with some friends, with uh, a dear friend of mine, one of my oldest friends, brother by the name of Matt Rashley. Uh, Matt and I, you know, we go way back. We met in film school and... While we did kind of drift apart for a little while, we came back together during the pandemic. And, you know, in some ways, it's like we never stopped being friends. And those are the best kind of friends that you can have, right? Okay, let me take that back. The best kind of friends you can have are the friends that say, hey, do you want to go see Mothra? That, that's, that's the best kind of friend you can have. Also, speaking of incredible people to go see a movie with, Beth was with me as well. So we talked a little bit with her before the movie and oh so briefly afterwards. Normally when I do a recording at a movie theater, when we go to see a movie, I try to get a good chunk of content and unfortunately we didn't get as much as I would have liked. Part of it was because, you know, there was a lot of time before the movie. The recording that I took during the introduction didn't really work out and they kicked us out at the end because there was another screening coming in. But you know what? It was still a lot of fun and I'm going to share the recordings that I did get with you in this episode, and then I'll probably talk a little bit more at the end about the experience of going to Mothra at the Hollywood Theater. Of course, we got Mark Batsky's Beta Capsule Review and Kenny's look at Famous Monsters of Filmland. That's all going to be coming up here in a minute as well. But why don't we read an email? This comes from a friend of the show, a longtime listener of the show. Hello from Diana in New Jersey is the subject heading, so let's read this one right now. Hi, Derek. I felt woefully behind in my podcast listening, but I'm finally caught up. I'm currently listening to the Shin Ultraman episode. Congratulations on over 600 episodes, but much more importantly, congratulations to you and Beth on your pending nuptials. That sounds absolutely lovely. I was happy to hear that Wednesday approves. Have Beth's children met Wednesday yet? Also, I thought I heard that Wednesday needed some dental work. Is she okay? Alright, so I'm going to break up this email a little bit and just respond to that bit first. Yes, Wednesday loves Beth. Beth and Wednesday, uh, when Beth is over here, Wednesday is all over, wants to hang out with her. Uh, Beth, I won't say spoils her, but definitely shows her some love. Beth has two cats, and uh, their names are Juniper and Rex. And I have brought Wednesday over there before, and it didn't go great. I'll be completely honest. Uh, Wednesday is very much an alpha. Uh, she is, you know, she's a boss. And Juniper and Rex, a couple of dudes, just want to be friends and hang out and chill, and Wednesday's not having it. Now, we have tried a couple of things. Uh, Wednesday typically wears, like, one of those pheromone collars. Uh, we've tried, like, cooling spray and things like that. Although we did just stumble across something the other day where we started putting her in, like, vests and that sort of thing. It started because we had this vest with skull and crossbones, because, of course, we do for cats or dogs, I guess, but in this case, for one to say, that has a leash atta or a place to attach a leash to it. And I thought, 
you know, putting her in that and then attaching the leash to it would allow me to kind of control her a little bit of things, a little bit aggressive, that sort of thing. Cause really she's the aggressor. Um, but something happened when I put that vest on her, she got really chill, like really relaxed, like thunder vest style. If you know what a thunder vest is. And we've started doing that lately. And even on her Instagram page, you might see that she's wearing sweaters and such now. And it really does calm her way down and she becomes super lovable. And, you know, that might be the key. So we'll see how that goes. Beth has two adult children. One lives with her full time. The other one doesn't. They've both met Wednesday. Wednesday, again, she's an alpha. So she doesn't know these people yet. We'll see how it goes. As for dental work, uh, she just needs to get her teeth cleaned. And that's actually going to be coming up here within the next week or two. Okay, back to the email from Diana. I was very sorry to hear that you and Beth both got COVID. Also, I'm sure that everyone understands that the podcast takes a backseat to your health. I'd like to think... I'd like to stink. <laughs> Actually, going to leave that in. I'd like to thank Steve Turek for hosting another episode, and also to Mark Matsky and Kenny for their continuing segments. I saw I Married a Witch, but it's been quite a while. I should watch it again. When she was young, my mother looked a good bit like Veronica Lake. All right, going to interrupt again. I agree. Big thank you. Or, or maybe not agree, but let me echo your sentiments. Thank you to Steve for offering to do another episode of MKR. Really appreciate it. And Mark and Kenny just knocking it out of the park, making the show that much better. I married a witch. Uh, you know, it's it's fun. I like Veronica Lake. You know, was she the best actress in the world? Probably not. But she had charisma, and she was incredible to watch. Okay, back to the email again. I enjoyed the House of Wax episode very much. I love Vincent Price films. They were on often at my Nana's house. When Michael Jackson's Thriller came out, the other kids in school were excited that there was a new Michael Jackson song. I tried to tell them the coolest part of the song was the narration by Vincent Price. We were a bunch of eight-year-olds, so the other kids didn't get it. Their loss. I do have to agree with you about the Dr. Fibes films, though. I was so disappointed. I didn't even bother with the second one. You know, I kind of expected that to be a little bit more of a hot take when I mentioned that on the show. I did get some dissenting opinions, but, you know, one of the things that I would really try to do here with Monster Kid Radio is create... It sounds silly, but a safe space. If you don't like something, that's okay. Might even razz each other a little bit for liking something that, you know, you don't like or whatever. But, you know, really, I'm just glad there's a lot of Vincent Price out there. I actually, I was going through some DVDs and such that I'm going to be putting online for sale on eBay. And I found an episode of, of all things, the Jimmy Stewart show uh, that I am selling on eBay uh, right now. But it's a sitcom from the 70s starring him and Julie Adams, and Vincent Price appears as a guest star in one of the episodes. I have not watched this yet. I keep meaning to, and it's one of the reasons why I'm choosing to get rid of it. I've had it forever, and I just never watched it, so might as well let it move on to somebody who might enjoy it. But I am going to track down or take the time to watch the Vincent Price episode. And it continues. As for the nightmare before Christmas, ah, uh, here comes the hot take. I have to at least partially disagree with you. The movie is made for people like me that spend 10 months a year waiting for Halloween and then the other two months waiting for Christmas. So yes, I agree it's a Christmas movie, but I also think it's a Halloween movie. Perfect for the space in between. On a side note, I once tried to argue that It's a Wonderful Life is not a Christmas movie, just a movie that takes place at Christmas. I was working at a video store at the time. My co-worker took the box off the shelf and showed it to me. I lost the argument because the box said it was, quote, the embodiment of Christmas. I still think my argument is valid, though. You know, Nightmare Before Christmas, 
I can see watching and, and really enjoying between Halloween and Christmas. Leave it, leave it to that period of time for me. And that, I think that's how I need the most enjoyment out of it. I just don't like it before Christmas because it, I'm sorry, before Halloween, because it's, it's mostly Christmas movie. And I'm a very black and white thinker. I don't want Christmas during non-Christmas times. It's just who I am and, and all that. But you know what? I'm glad it exists for you. Uh, it's a wonderful life was not originally released during the Christmas season. While it is set at Christmas time, I believe it was a summer release. Wasn't it? I'd have to double check that. I used to date a girl many, many moons ago, like 30 years ago, who loved It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, she was a fanatic for this movie, so we watched it a lot. And I'm very familiar with it. Uh, it's it's a good movie, you know, don't get me wrong. But it is something that is clearly uh, a Christmas-style film. Oh, it's released in January, so it came out right after Christmas. So I think it's probably definitely more a Christmas movie than something say like Die Hard is and that is not an argument I want to get into here on the show uh, other than to tell you no it's not a Christmas movie anyway back to the email back to your engagement just my opinion but it might be nice to have the wedding at Beth's haunt where you proposed my husband and I had a surprise wedding it was a second marriage for both of us so we weren't interested in a big wedding we invited a couple of friends to dinner and didn't tell them that they were coming to our wedding everyone had a great time and no one had to worry about dresses or suits or flowers or catering or well you get the idea Love the show and wish you and Beth, and of course, we want to say the very best. I've prattled on enough. Bye for now, Diana. Um, so the haunt is not a permanent structure. If there was a permanent haunted house building or structure, then yeah, I think that would be pretty darn cool and affordable. But it's not a permanent structure. It's something that only goes up during the Halloween season. Yeah, there's like a month or two or more of building and construction, but it's not a fully structured building until Halloween, at which point it's incredibly busy. And in fact, when one of the owners of the company that owns Sahant or runs Sahant agreed to help me set up this proposal to Beth in the haunted house, she immediately made me promise to not have the wedding in October because they need Beth for <laughs> October for the haunt. And I'd like to think they need me, too. I think I'll be going back to work for them again. I mean, there hasn't been anything officially said, but I do feel like I'm part of the family and the crew now. So, And, hey, I'm marrying into it, if nothing else, right? But, uh, yeah, I would love to do a haunted house wedding. Uh, maybe we'll do some sort of ceremony or something special at some point down the line. Uh, as of right now, we are looking at something within the next couple of months. So in front of lockdown a venue... It's a little bit more expensive than I thought it would be to get married. But that's a whole different conversation that uh, you're probably not here to listen to on Monster Kid Radio. Uh, but I do want to say this. Thank you for all the well wishes to everybody who's reached out to me and Beth over our relationship and our upcoming wedding. I cannot wait to get married to that woman. I cannot wait for that. It's going to be amazing. Uh, I love that woman so much. She is like this most incredible woman I've ever met. And I just, I can't wait. Like I said, anyway, thank you for writing in Diana. I appreciate you contributing to the show. Don't feel bad about running behind on the show. I am behind on so many podcasts and other projects myself. So no worries. Okay. We'll go a little further back. We got an email from Kevin Slick. This came in last week in regards to our Shin Ultraman episode. 
Hi, Derek and Beth. Great show. Sounds like Beth will need to show you some of her favorite Doctor Who episodes, and you will share Monos. Seems like a fair trade. I am so telling her you said that. He <laughs> continues, I appreciated the Doctor Who Ultraman comparisons concerning the alien understanding other aliens theme. Vincent and the Doctor is indeed one of the finest, and I've noticed, especially in Ultraman 80, there are many episodes where instead of blowing up the monster, Ultraman often takes it back to space. By the way, several of the Doctor Who episodes, I've watched them all, at least in the modern, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 Doctors, are among the best written, acted TV shows of all time, definitely up there with the best Twilight sounds. I might have mentioned that my son and I watch Ultraman. He's in college now, and we watch online, working our way through all the shows. We're in the midst of Ultraman 80 now. He came to us from the stars. That's all for now. Carry on. You know, I'm reading this email, and I'm wondering if I've already read this on the show, and if I did, I apologize for repeating myself. I know I did share it with Beth when it came in, so maybe that's why it sounds familiar. Either way, Beth and I have talked a lot about her kind of guiding me through some Doctor Who. She has been very interested in and very receptive to exploring a lot of my fandoms, whether it's kaiju films or classic monster movies or professional wrestling or Lego. It's been amazing. And she has shared some of her loves with me as well. I'm addicted to the show Outlander now because of her. Seriously. It's got time travel, man. It's cool. Showrunners Ronald D. Moore, Star Trek's fame. Just, anyway, uh, you know, she has shared some of her loves with me. She did share with me the first Harry Potter film. We haven't watched any of the other ones, but those are pretty important to her. You know, having kids and all when they came out, she watched them a lot and, and enjoyed them, uh, despite all the stuff with rolling later, you know. Uh, and we've talked a lot about getting into some Doctor Who. I have threatened to show her the Peter Cushing Doctor Who films as well, and maybe I will. Probably would be easier to get her to watch those than Manos, just because Manos is Manos. I the management. Ultraman 80, that's my jam. I love Ultraman 80 so much. That is my favorite, you know, outside of like their early, early stuff, I think that's my favorite Ultraman series. I really do. I, I don't know if it's because it's the one that I sat down to like seriously watch from start to finish after I discovered that I enjoyed Ultraman, if that, that became the next one for me. I don't know why I picked that one to watch, but it ended up being the one that I really enjoyed the most, especially the first season. When they get into the second season and they get away from the, I don't know, not dual identity, but the dual job, I suppose, of him being involved with the science, the equivalents of the science squad or whatever, and the uh, him being a teacher, they get rid of all the teacher stuff. And I enjoyed that part of that show and that character, him being a teacher in addition to being part of the Defense Force, in addition to being Ultraman. I enjoyed that that uh, conflict, and we really kind of got away from it after the first season. But I still enjoy it. I still really love Ultraman 80. So good. So good! And I think it's so cool that you're able to keep watching it uh, with your college son, you know, online. Yeah, that's one of the things I love about the Internet and the state of things these days. I mean, I'm talking to you right now. You're in Colorado. I'm, I'm hanging out out here in Vancouver, Washington, you know. Um, and we're just having this conversation here. It's not the same, but you, you know what I mean. But thank you for writing in. I, I really do appreciate it. Another email, short and sweet, from George M. It would be great to hear a month of Corman's Poe adaptations, my favorite being Tales of Terror, worth talking about just for the cast. Thank you. Well, thank you. 
And, you know, when I did the listener survey, which is closed at this point, so thank you for everybody who participated, a couple of the questions that I put in there were about the themed months that we do. Sometimes here on Monster Kid Radio, we'll set aside a month to do a particular kind of movie, the probably most well-known one that we've done, and most consistently <laughs> was Lucha de Mayo, when we would do uh, luchador movies during the month of May. And I, I wanted to make sure that when I do that, I'm not turning people off, that people are still enjoying it, that sort of thing. And honestly, it was kind of a mixed bag. You know, some people seem to enjoy the month-long themes here on the show, and some people are just like, yeah, whatever. And there were actually a few dissenters as well who just actively did not like it, and a couple people said they don't even listen when that happens. And that's okay. You know, it's totally cool. But I do like the doing the theme months. So I don't know if we're going to be doing Lucha de Mayo this year. I don't think we did it last year either, did we? I'd have to look at a calendar. Just in terms of timing, especially with a wedding coming up, trying to plan a themed month of Monster Kid Radio coverage that close to when a wedding might be happening might be difficult. And actually, this is probably as good a time as any to say that as I get closer to the wedding, there may be a week or two when I have to take off from the podcast because I got to give priority to this whole marrying the love of my life kind of thing, you know? So I hope you forgive me for that. That said, I do want to do a run of the Corman Poe films. Not going to do the Haunted Palace because I've talked about the Haunted Palace here on the show in the past. And while I am double dipping at this point, it's a Lovecraft film, and I've seen that one, and I love it, and I can gush about it. But part of the fun for me when it comes to Monster Kid Radio sometimes is picking movies that I've not watched before. So I'm looking forward to explore some of the Corman Poe films, and that will happen at some point this year. We're going to do at least two or three weeks in a row, maybe a full month of Corman Poe movies. So I'll tell you one of the reasons why I kind of avoided a lot of them. I, I just didn't grow up loving Edgar Allan Poe. It wasn't something that was in my wheelhouse when I was a kid. And then, and through no fault of their own, it's not their fault at all, but the Lovecraft Film Festival would show Edgar Allan Poe films because Lovecraft loved Edgar Allan Poe and worshipped at the feet of the man and wanted to write like him sometimes. And there, there's a connection there. And to honor that, they would show two or three Edgar Allan Poe movies a year, usually in the Schwartz block section, which is one of the reasons why I would go to the Lovecraft Film Festival. Well, as a dumb kid, I say as somebody who was probably in his 30s, so I guess a dumb younger person, uh, at the beginning of my time going to the Lovecraft Film Festival, I'd get frustrated. I'd say to myself things like, I came here for a Lovecraft Film Festival, not an Edgar Allan Poe Film Festival. Well, what kind of ridiculousness is that? I mean, if you... Uh, just, uh, the younger Derek didn't always say the most intelligent things or think the most intelligent thoughts. So I, I just really kind of avoided it. And it just never was something that I put back onto my radar. So I'm excited. We're going to do a run of Corman Poe. That, that's just what's going to happen. Sometime this year, I'll give you all plenty of notice so that if you want to get caught up on the movies or if you want to make plans for the months that have nothing to do with the show, that's fine too. But I'll let you all know. Uh, the other thing that I do want to do at some point this year is there's been a lot of good response to doing the kaiju films. And I did get some comments during listener survey about doing like a kaiju month. 
I don't know if I want to call it Kai July. You can do Kaiju Films in the month of July. Because I think the late lamented L. Rain Network did that, didn't they? I don't want to you know, steal their thunder or whatever, but they're not around anymore. Maybe somebody needs to pick it up. I, I don't know. But I'd love to do like a big run of kaiju movies as well. So stay tuned. I can tell you right now we're going to have two themed months this year, and I think that's all we're going to plan for. Kaiju Month and Corman Poe Month. I'll keep you posted as to when. Not sure which is going to happen first, but stay tuned. And finally, we have one more email. Hi, Derek. It's Matt from Mabuzcast on YouTube emailing you with my Shin Ultraman thoughts. I saw in the theaters on Wednesday via the subtitled screening option and loved every second of it. It has some of the best use of CGI I've seen in a modern movie in that it mimics the old 1966 Ultraman TV show's tokusatsu effects with CGI effects that are not aiming to be 100% realistic, but just looks very interesting all around. The story it tells is also very upbeat and totally nails the tone of the original show with a modern sensibility. The experience in the theater at the screening I went to was great as well, and it's the most recent time I can remember going to a movie in the theaters where at the end of the movie, everyone clapped in applause. Always keep up the good work at Monster Kid Radio. That is so cool. I had a similar experience just recently. In fact, I'll talk about it here in a little bit uh, with the uh, positivity in the crowd and the audience with the movie being shown. And I agree. I think that while Ultraman itself, the character of Ultraman, was digital, it felt very honoring of the original Ultraman character design, with the exception of the mouth, but that was a good good thing. I love the original Ultraman, but in the first series of Ultraman, they still hadn't quite figured out what they were going to do for the mouthpiece, and it it doesn't look the greatest now on Blu-ray, but that's just one of those things where Blu-ray kind of upconverts some of the stuff that you might not have caught during a viewing in a lesser resolution. Not dogging on Ultraman. Don't get me wrong. I'm just, just saying. Anyway, uh, yeah, I thought it was very uh, honoring of that. And, you know, I know I said what I said about the music and every once in a while something would come in to kind of remind us of the original Ultraman after we had long established that this was its own thing. That kind of felt jarring to me just a little tiny bit. But in the end, I'm so glad I saw it and I'm going to own it on Blu-ray. Yes, I am slimming down my physical media, but Ultraman, man, is always going to have a place in my my uh, DVD slash Blu-ray slash bookshelf. I appreciate you writing in. I appreciate everybody writing in and sharing their thoughts with us here on Monster Kid Radio about, well, anything monster related. Anytime you have anything you want to talk about here on Monster Kid Radio, this is your forum. Email me at monsterkidradio at gmail.com or call and leave us a voicemail at 360-524-2484. I'll mention that again at the end of the show, or you can hop on over to monsterkidradio.net and you can find it right there as well in the show notes. Let's go ahead and get on to the rest of the show. I told you that I've got Kenny and Mark in the wings. I think they're tired of waiting. In fact, I think I can hear Mark tapping his feet. Get on with it, Derek. Let's go. So, uh, fine. Let's go. Ichiro's legs flew into the air. His tiger-striped board sailed over his head, and a wall of blue water crashed down on him, trying to crush the air out of his lungs. For a moment, he found himself head down in the water column, with a surge of the wave pushing him toward the azure depths below. 
Somehow, he managed to hold on to the GoPro during the wipeout, but now the camera clenched in his fist kept him from easily righting himself. As he writhed in the deep, a dark shape loomed up out of the blue. In Monster Shark on a Nude Beach, a shy marine biologist must up his game and stop a series of shark attacks at the Caribbean's most famous clothing-optional playground. Award-winning author Stephen D. Sullivan brings you this sexy, action-packed summer read, perfect for fans of The Meg and Jaws. Read three chapters free on Amazon. Find out more at buffbeach.com or sdsullivan.com. How much Jack do you think's in that strong rock? Mm. There's plenty of Cuban sugar, though. Here's what happened. The general beat his friend Castro to the Cuban treasury. The strongbox is now on this boat. So are a deported American gangster and his mall. And lurking in the depths is the creature from the haunted sea. You're a crazy mixed-up kid. I am perfectly adjusted to my life of crime. Don't worry, Mary Bell. I'll save you. Be calm, everybody. The boat's insured. Live from the Land of Light in Nebula M78, home of the mighty Ultra Heroes, it's Monster Kid Radio's Beta Capsule Review. A mysterious illness disables Dan Moraboshi at the worst possible moment, as it coincides with the biggest invasion in history, Part 1, the 48th episode of Ultra 7. Dan struggles to perform his normal duties, and both Soga and Anyuri take notice of his condition, but can do little to persuade him to seek help. Things come to a head when Dan is sent on a solo mission to confront a hostile UFO. He can barely remain conscious, much less hit the target, but the operation is salvaged by the surprise appearance of Captain Kurata, who downs the saucer with a laser shot while Dan crash lands. Waking in the TDF sickbay, he's ordered to rest under Anne's watchful eye. And while slipping in and out of consciousness, he is visited by Seven's superior from M78. The intergalactic herald has terrible news. Dan's issues are a result of too many battles as Ultra Seven, and he must return to the land of light immediately. Dan refuses, knowing that a massive alien invasion is imminent. His superior relents, but warns him that another transformation will render him unable to ever go home again. Still reeling from this interaction, Dan accompanies the Ultra Guard in battle against alien-controlled Kaiju Pondone. Spitting fire from both its heads, the monster threatens to immolate everyone Dan holds dear. Will he dare to use the Ultra Eye one last time? The Biggest Invasion in History, Part 1, 
is a skillfully crafted cliffhanger written by Ultra 7 master scribe Tetsuo Kinjo. Tension builds from the opening moments in which Dan's disease is quietly disclosed, leading up to his agonizing choice of whether or not to transform. In a sense, the whole series has been leading up to these final choices, and it's fascinating to note that the Ultra Hero's affection for humanity is a thematic thread that runs all the way up through the 2022 feature film Sheen Ultraman, which was recently screened in U.S. theaters for a two-night engagement. It's also highly appropriate that Ann Yuri takes a major leadership role throughout the episode. Her compassion and bravery have made a huge impression on Seven. She exemplifies the human spirit for which he is willing to stay and fight. For Monster Kid Radio's Beta Capsule Review, this is Mark Matsky reporting. Pacific Island, where an expedition of world-famous scientists investigate incredible rumors of its fantastic mysteries and discover barren volcanic mountains surrounding strange green valleys, mammoth caves that breed giant mutations, vampire plants that devour humans, but most astounding of all, the tiniest women in all creation. Sacred beauties of a lost tribe which worships a monstrous creature. What is the secret of Mothra? What is the bizarre spell that awakens Mothra? As these doll-sized girls call to the super god from captivity. Mothra, whose revenge is more devastating than any man-made weapon. Mothra, who defies warplanes. Wrecks ocean liners. Smashes dams and bridges. Mothra, creating hurricanes. Mothra, enveloped in a shell that no human force can penetrate. Mothra, indestructible, all-powerful, indescribable. What kind of creature is this god monster, Mothra? Warning, Godzilla versus the Thing. A shattering motion picture, not for the weak of heart. Here in all its astounding realism is a soul-shocking experience. How much terror can you stand? What was this thing of unbelievable and unequaled terror that challenged Godzilla to a battle of unhuman strength versus supernatural evil? Godzilla versus the Thing. See the War of the Giants. See the birth of the world's most terrifying monster. See armies of the world destroyed by the thing.
the producers of Godzilla vs. The Thing issue warning to those who cannot take its full horror. To you with guts, you must see Godzilla vs. The Thing from the beginning in color scope from American International. Hello there, Monster Kid Radioheads. This is Kenny with a look at Famous Monsters of Filmland. Today, Derek and his guests are talking about Mothra. This classic kaiju was the first Japanese monster movie to get article-length coverage in FM. It happened in September of 1962 with issue 19. In the middle of a coming attractions article were three pages with nine photos dedicated to the film. This synopsis served as an extended caption to the thrilling pictures. The story of Mothra takes place in the near future in a never-never land called Rosilica. A joint expedition of Japanese Rosilican scientists lands on Infant Island, a kind of latter-day bikini atoll, to discover that it still supports a strange form of dwarf life despite a heavy residue of radioactivity from H-bomb test blasts. The inhabitants are tiny humans only two feet tall who worship a veritable winged behemoth. When two of the little women, called Elena's, are kidnapped by unscrupulous promoters and exhibited in nightclubs like Sideshow Freaks, the sacred egg that the girls once guarded hatches an insect larva of incredible proportions which destroys ships as it swims to the sea in search of land and its lost Alinas. As the spectacle reaches its climax, Mothra undergoes a metamorphosis from slumbering giant in a colossal cocoon to menacing moth of monstrous size. Tokyo and Rosilica tremble to the beat of its tornadic wings as the enraged creature follows the telepathic cries for help from its helpless handmaidens. The airborne monstrosity destroys all in its path. Bridges, skyscrapers, dams, defying all military weapons, including an atomic heat cannon, till it rescues the Alinas and returns with them to their infant island. That is all for this week's look at Famous Monsters of Filmland. We will have more next time For MKR, this is Kenny saying sayonara. the thrills of Ghidra, the three-headed monster. Created from an atomic fireball hurled from outer space, Ghidra, the three-headed monster, threatens man's very existence on Earth. Three-headed monster battles Godzilla, Mothra, and Rodan for mastery of the world. Men quake before the terror of their unleashed fury.
all never to be forgotten. A new high in screen terror. Our planet may be doomed. Our Earth devastated. The monsters are in revolt. And civilization is in chaos. Godzilla is laying waste to New York. Rodan is attacking Moscow. Manda is smashing London and taking trembles under the wrath of Mothra. Our battle cry must be destroy all monsters. Who can say which country or city will be next? We must unite and destroy all monsters. Is there a way to defend against Godzilla, Rodan, Manda, and Mothra? The answer is no. Let our battle cry be, destroy all monsters. Be prepared. See for yourself, in color from American International. Destroy all monsters. 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 This picture is rated G for general audiences. Destroy all monsters. Let's see how this works out. You might hear some background noise because they're playing some incredible kaiju tokusatsu film music in the background here at the Hollywood Theater. They're showing a 35mm print of Mothra, ladies and gentlemen. Mothra in 35mm. How cool is that? Now, I've seen Mothra on the big screen. In fact, I've seen it in this very theater at one point. Don't remember how long ago it's been. It's been several years. I suppose I can go back and double check. I wasn't going to come to this if not for my friend reaching out to me and asking if I wanted to come. Heck yeah, if your friend says you want to go see a kaiju movie, you say yes, because that friend is a good friend indeed, and uh, he's sitting right next to me. He's never been on the podcast before, but he's a very important person in my life. Uh, you've heard me talk about him in the past because he's somebody I went to film school with. This is Matt Rashley, uh, one of my, I'm going to say oldest friends at this point. And Matt, how you doing? Good, Derek. I'm, I'm happy to be here with you. I'm, I'm really excited about seeing this movie with you and in uh, a great place like the Hollywood Theater. It doesn't get better than this. 35 millimeter print is going to be awesome. As I said, I've seen the movie, but you, you, you have very little classic kaiju in you. Very little classic kaiju in me. I'm, I'm a Mothra virgin here. I'm very excited about it. This is going to be great. So, okay, you made it clear in the lobby. Classic kaiju, not seen very much of. You've seen some other kaiju, though? Oh, yeah, I've seen Godzilla. And I've seen... The, the new one? No, not the new one. The classic. Oh, okay. The last, the last kaiju movie or Godzilla movie I saw in a theater was the Matthew Broderick Godzilla. In the okay, 90s. this conversation's over. No, yeah, I'm yeah. kidding. I'm kidding. A low point. So I'm, I'm hoping to reset the bar with this one. <laughs> 1961, Queen of the Kaiju. Wow. I'm ready for this. Listen to him dropping knowledge here, trying to sell. Yeah, okay. All right. I, you know what? And... I've never seen the massive Broderick Godzilla, so I can't, like, I avoided it. I can't, I, can't, I don't know. Maybe if you liked it, great. Good for you. Just not my bag. You're a wise man for avoiding that movie. <laughs> so when I met you all those years ago in film school, we never talked about kaiju movies because this, it was something that I wasn't really into at the time either. Uh, like kaiju films for me, I've talked about on the show, relatively new convert to being a huge fan of this stuff, say, like, within the past decade. I'm I'm curious. So you've seen the original Godzilla, and that's it. You haven't seen any other clips or something? Oh yeah, I've seen several clips, and uh, I watched more of Son of Godzilla than I'd like to admit <laughs> on uh, on Spenguli one night with the kids. Okay, but uh, that's about where my kaiju knowledge ends. I mean, I, I did watch Pacific Rim. I've seen the the Del Toro take on it, and that was fun. But uh, 
I've really been looking forward to getting more into Japanese cinema. My kids are really into anime and manga, and uh, we've I've watched all the Studio Ghibli movies and Miyazaki, and so uh, I really would like to watch more kaiju movies and more Japanese film noir. Japanese film noir, you know, that is a subgenre I know very little about, so that maybe we should go on a just a kick one weekend, just get some Japanese film noir stuff and and dive in um 60s japanese cinema especially when you get some of the more genre fla flavored stuff or cult flavored stuff fascinating man i can't imagine like the film noir stuff is the same kind of movies mothra's about to be yeah no <laughs> different feel for sure i i'll have to watch to find out though now were you i can't remember were you a mystery science theater 3000 fan uh, not too deeply. I, I've had a few laughs, but I've never really deeply gone into that. I know that they've covered some of the Godzilla, and specifically the Gamera films, so I was wondering maybe you had some kaiju, misty-flavored, you know what I mean? But it doesn't sound like it. In fact, I think the last time I saw Mothra on the big screen, and there is somebody in Mothra costume right now, that's amazing. Um, I wish this was a video podcast, because that's so cool. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think the last time I saw it in the theater was... One of the, um, not Cinematic Titanic, but what was the other, whatever the other group was, Rift Tracks. I think it was a Rift Tracks screening of Mothra. So we got all the, you know, the sarcastic comments and the jokes. So it'll be cool to see it straight, you know. Um, did you see the sequel to Pacific Rim? I did, and uh, I was a bit let down. I never saw it, so. No, the, the first one, you could, you know, you, you see the, the love that Del Toro has for Kaiju. In the second one, it, it doesn't have any of that. Okay. Yeah, I, I never saw it. I think I've listened to the soundtrack or the score once because I'm a film score geek. Um, I love the film score for the Pacific Rim. There. Ramin Jawadi, fantastic work. Amazing. Amazing. Like, the, the that whole movie combined with the score, like, it's a thrill ride from beginning to end. So this movie I've seen, I'm very familiar with. It's, it's a lot different than Godzilla. Um, yeah, it's a person in a suit. You know, it's a giant monster movie. But it, it's not, I don't know, it's kind of hard to describe. I, I guess I've heard the Godzilla, the first Godzilla film kind of described as like a, like a Japanese Frankenstein where it is dark and it is clearly a monster doing some monstrous stuff. But then as the films continue, they get a little bit more kid-friendly. And, well, you said Son of Godzilla, so you've had some experience there. Remind me which one was Son of Godzilla? Uh, a very child-friendly one with a Son of Godzilla in a, cute little cherub-like uh, version. <laughs> Not Gatsuki, because that's from the cartoon. Yeah. Minya? Was it Minya? Sure. I think I think it was Minya, wasn't it? Okay. I, I'm i so sorry. I just had Robert Kelly on the show last week, who uh, loves the Godzilla movies, and he's, I'm sure he's turning his hair out right now. I was like, Derek, you idiot, it's this one. Um, I don't... God, I'm trying to remember now. Because the Mothra films and all of these films do end up taking place in the same cinematic universe. So this may have some connections for you. Probably not directly to Son of Godzilla, but... Yeah, I, you know, I was reading about uh, Mothra and a lot of uh, online posts and articles I saw kept re referring to it as being like the first one that was really family friendly. And the fact that it's more of a fantasy tale than having sort of science fiction roots as far as, you know, the whole nuclear reaction and Godzilla and his backstory and and from watching the original classic trailer for this movie oh, yeah. I really picked up on vibes that reminded me of 
um, the Sinbad films. Like it had sort of a a, a Harryhausen kind of quality to it. Charlie Schneer movie, you know. Like it also gave me uh, King Kong vibes, you know, having an island and having natives that worshipped a spirit that turns out to be a giant creature. So, like, there's a lot of things going on there that I'm really anxious to see in in this venue. Wow. I, I can't tell if you did research because you wanted to be prepped for the movie or if you did research because you wanted to, you know, make sure the Monster Kid Radio listeners were like, okay, he knows Harryhausen. Okay, he knows Schneer. Schneer, that's a deeper cut. That's cool. That's cool. Well, I know the Monster Kids are a, a dedicated audience, and I don't, I don't want to let them down. Or you. Nah, man, we got... You know what? It, yeah, it's going to take a little bit more than not knowing the background of Mothra's complicated production history to, to end that. Um, I'm going to switch over to my right side because I'm not here just with Matt. Matt's family is here as well. But on my right, I've got a beautiful Beth. Hello, everyone. You've also not seen this, right? Uh, that's true. I, I am also, as Matt says, a Mothra version. And uh, very, very excited, although I'm a little more excited for the supernatural element of it with the, I don't know, the Shobijin, I think, the the little fairies and the fact that, you know, we get some fairies and, and that they have some supernatural hull going on in, in this way. You know, it's very different than Godzilla, which is got the, you know, the atomic horror roots and, you know, the nuclear nightmare and everything. And this one is just very different. And I've always felt like it's, it doesn't quite fit in with Godzilla. I know it is part of Godzilla, but like Godzilla and all of his foes are giant reptilian lizards. This is a big bug. It's very different. But yeah, I'm looking forward to getting your take on that. I'm really excited, especially to see it in this 35mm format. I feel like that's the way it tended to be seen when it was shot. And so you're not missing anything. Nothing's cut off. Nothing's missing. I revel in the details around the edges on movies and and in the scenery as a scenery designer myself so getting to see really the full picture is is something that i'm really looking forward to you know seeing it as a 35 millimeter print too not having it super cleaned up will make it easier to not see the wires holding up mothra's wings so there's that yeah that's that's absolutely a blast (laughs) (laughs) Um, and, and it really is, you know, folks, come on down. If, if you are in the Portland area or anywhere nearby or you happen to be visiting Portland, come on down to the Hollywood and, and see a movie, whatever happens to be playing when you're here in town, because spaces like this won't continue to exist if we don't support them. Hashtag not sponsored, but hashtag I totally agree. Um, the Hollywood Theater really has been banging it out. This is not the only kaiju movie they're showing this weekend. Uh, they showed the original King Kong. I think they showed a Mechagodzilla flick. Wasn't able to do any of that, but I mean, how cool is that? I'm not sure why they decided to do a kaiju kick, but good for them. And right now, even on the screen, they're advertising other 35 millimeter prints of genre films. Star Trek Three is coming. How cool is that? I haven't talked about Star Trek on the podcast since last week. So, you know, come on. <laughs> you need to talk more Star Trek. You know, I ought to have you on to talk about some Star Trek. Oh, yeah, I'll definitely uh, beam down for that. That, that is something that Matt and I talked about back in our film school days a lot. We obsessed over Deep Space Nine. Deep Space Nine, best track? One of the best tracks? In my humble opinion, it's my favorite, yes. Okay, so we can keep him? We, we can keep him, yeah, as long as he acknowledges that, that Garrick is best boy and <laughs> is probably off spying somewhere to this day. Fair enough. 
yeah, we could, mm, I'm not going to do it. I did it last week. We were supposed to be talking about some other movie and <laughs> we went to Star Trek. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to do it. Kaiju films. Um, I've seen, I believe I've seen all the Godzilla flicks at this point, all of Toho's output, all the Gamera films and some of the uh, other studios work in this regard um, or in this particular subgenre. And I, you know, I love my Ultraman and all that too. So I've really enjoyed diving into the genre of Japanese science fiction cinema, tokusatsu films, things like that. Beth's daughter, one of Beth's daughters, also really into like anime and manga and all that. And we keep threatening to kind of dive into some of that stuff together as well. She'll name a show and like I, I've got it queued up and ready to go. Just got to sit down and watch it with her just because I want to learn more about it as well. You said your kids are really into anime as well. Has that been a lifelong thing for them? Oh, yeah. Um, they've been into uh, manga and anime boy, ever since they were tiny. I, I don't know if it was uh, an interest in Miyazaki films with me or if it was through Pokemon, but uh, they've taken a real liking to Japanese art and entertainment. And so I'm, I'm really thrilled for them to see this on the big screen. Yeah, I want to just kind of sidetrack a little bit in talking about the anime and all that. Uh, I was actually talking with Beth about this earlier today when she was showing me a clip from The Princess and the Frog and how that was the last hand-drawn animated feature from Disney. The only place to really get feature film hand-drawn animation anymore is in Japan and the anime and that sort of thing. And so for that reason alone, I feel like I should watch more of it. I just have never gotten into it as always. It felt like there's a cultural wall between me and it. But maybe now that I'm kind of into the kaiju stuff, maybe it's time to just get over it, <laughs> you know? What would you recommend I dive in if I was to watch something for the first time? Well, if we're sticking with uh, giant bugs and giant monsters, I would go with Nausicaa Valley of the Wind okay. by Hao Miyazaki. Because uh, it gives you all of that. And with Miyazaki films, I think the thing that worked for us is that they seem more accessible, maybe from a Western audience. And uh, a lot of them have been distributed. I know they were distributed with the help of Disney and, and others. Give me one moment here. What's up, dude? So that was pretty cool. We were just in here chatting, and somebody recognized my Monster Kid Radio uh, Hawaiian shirt, which you can buy yourself right now over on our website. Look at me pitching this and, and trying to sell this. But, uh, yeah, it's a Monster Kid Radio Hawaiian-style shirt. $35 can be yours. Just go to monsterkidradio.net and look at the uh, ad there to learn how you can pick it up. Maybe it'll get you recognized at a screening at places like uh, the Hollywood Theater. Oh, dude, Assault on Precinct 13. <laughs> oh, I love that movie. That, okay. Assault on Precinct 13 is an is one of John Carpenter's first feature films. It is so good. Oh. You know, it's probably a good thing that I live in Vancouver now. Because I'd be coming down to the Hollywood all the time, spending, you know, time and money here and not getting anything else done. So... Not saying that Vancouver's not a good thing. I like Vancouver a lot of, you know, it's where you are, so, you know. That's true. <laughs> All right, so Matt was mentioning um, Nausicaa. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that one? I have not seen that one. Okay. Um, I'm more, my anime are more towards things my uh, 20-year-old daughter has shown me, like Maiden Abyss and Is It Okay to Pick Up Girls in a Dungeon? So a little bit different uh <laughs> <laughs> but it's really cool how like you know you through your uh kid and me through my kids 
are having a new experience and getting exposed to movies that we wouldn't have watched growing up. Absolutely, absolutely. I I love that, and I love, you know, even coming to movies like Mothra and being able to experience more of a different culture. Like we talked about, you know, a couple of weeks ago with Ultraman, of having it be the best of, of some of the Japanese culture things. I know that uh, the twins that play the fairies in this, Yumi and Emi Ito, they're real famous. I actually knew of them before. I didn't realize they were in this movie. The peanuts, they were born during World War II. They're twin singers, very, very famous in Japan. And so it'll be really neat to get to see them in this. And I think that's neat that there there is a Jerry Ito in the cast list. So I'm wondering if maybe we got some familial connection there. And that's how they, you know, came to work on the production. But neat to see things showcased, especially if you think of it in an era when Japan was kind of reintroducing itself to the world in a way. True. Now, the peanuts supposedly have a really good Christmas album that I keep meaning to track down. Uh, around Christmas time, so... No, so you knew the Peanuts, that's cool. And you're right, I mean, I think... Japan's history with global pop culture is so interesting, considering their history with, like, geopolitics and everything that happened there, and the war and everything else, and how that kind of informed some of the art that they made, and how we view some of it in you know, the Western... from a Western perspective, so... Uh, do you know, is this dubbed or subtitled, Matt? Good question. I do not know. You mentioned you've seen all the Godzilla movies. Have you seen all the Mothra movies? I was reading that Mothra is the has the second most amount of titles, I think. Yeah. So, there was a real, there's a real surge of kaiju films in the 90s. Um, most of them were Godzilla. Sure, people like Mothra people. <laughs> Characters like Mothra, Rodan, or Mechagodzilla turn up on them, but it's a Godzilla franchise that follow one after the other after the other. There were three Mothra films during that time that I think I own, but I've not seen. Uh, the Rebirth of Mothra 1, 2, and 3, I think is what they're called. Listeners, forgive me if I got that wrong, and if I did, call in and let me know. Uh, but yeah, I have not seen those, so those are still a blind spot. I also want to watch the Gamera movies. I've heard the 90s ones were amazing. Oh, dude, the Gamera films from the... Oh, man, you want to get me... Ex- oh, dude. Oh, they're so good. So, so we'll have to do like a, a Miyazaki night at my house, and then we'll do a Gamera night at your place. Nice. You know, with all of this... <laughs> Since you and I have gotten reacquainted, we've talked so much about how we're going to do movie night here, a movie night there. We really need to just set like a month aside where we're not doing anything but watching movies and eating popcorn. At the rate we keep adding other movie nights, we're probably going to need a couple months I'm telling you, we rent that spaceship out in Richburg, out in Brush Prairie for a weekend and just knock out like 12 films. Oh, I wonder if they'd let us like bring out like a projector and set up a screen and do like a little mini drive to drive in outside the flying saucer. That that just sounds like an experience. We could sell tickets. No, we probably couldn't, but it would be cool. Have you seen the, the flying saucer on Airbnb? I am aware of it, but I have not looked into it. For one brief fleeting moment, we were considering wedding out there. It was booked, unfortunately, so we never asked. But how cool would that have been? Oh, man. Uh, but yeah, I haven't seen those. But the Gamera movies are fantastic. Uh, as much as I really enjoy the 90s Godzilla films, uh, partly because they introduce a character called, creatively, Space Godzilla. And I love Space Godzilla. I know he gets a lot of flack online. I love Space Godzilla. Um, I love that one. The Gamera films, for my money, for my time, are the best 90s kaiju films fantastic stuff so yeah we could do that we'll do that and 
you bust out your projector and show me some of your reels. I'll show you Mr. No Legs. He completely ruined the mood. Um, <laughs> I haven't shown you Mr. See, I've got this list of movies to show Beth. And um, eventually I'm going to show her Mono Science of Fate. Oh. Wait till you're married. <laughs> Better chances she won't run away. You know you're not the first one to suggest that? Who else have you been talking to? Who else has been filling your head with all sorts of nonsense? It's ridiculous. Oh, now I don't think I should say, I read. <laughs> uh, I did have somebody write in and give me suggestions for how to do a monos-themed bachelor party. Wow. So we could do that. Would you come to that? Absolutely. I'll just try not to get caught red-handed. Oh. oh. Sorry, sorry. I had to get a pun in there. I am a dad, after all. Oh, my. I got nothing. I'm not, I'm not going to be back on, am I? This is it. <laughs> All right, it's over. What did you think? Oh, my goodness. That was amazing. Yeah? Yeah, that's got to be my favorite kaiju film to date. Really? I think About? so. I don't think so. Wow. All right. All right. And, and Matt's leading over. I got to hear what he says. I agree with Beth. That was amazing. Incredible. Like, sometimes at home when you watch miniature effects on TV or a computer screen, you know, it doesn't quite hold up. Watching it on a big screen, you realize that this was made to be seen on a big screen and to be projected. Like, the effects held up. Like, I was captivated. I was enthralled. Watching the destruction and the people run around. It it was great. I was really impressed. Honestly, I was even a little seasick during some of the ocean scenes with the ships. It was so good. Like, on the big screen, it really gave you the effect of being. I remember back in film school... Matt, you and I had conversations about building sets like that to put on film and destroy. Um, so I'm sitting here watching this. It's such a weird experience to watch a movie that has all these incredible miniatures uh, by Subaraya, the creator of Ultraman, uh, doing all this amazing work. And then sitting here next to you is watching this go down and all the stuff get broken and, and destroyed. It's just gorgeous to look at, man. Yeah, the details. Like, I want to do some research now, now and see how many, probably hundreds or thousands of hours went into building these miniature sets. The level of detail and accuracy just blew my mind. And you started giggling at one point. Uh, the combination of San Francisco, L.A., and New York that was Newkirk City was hilarious. And I gotta say, I'm not sure that's why they call it Battery Park, but... <laughs> <laughs> New Kirk City. Um, like, I want to do, like, a mock T-shirt now, like, straight out of New Kirk with, the, with Mothra stuff all over it, you know, just, that was, that was fine. I had forgotten that they had this weird American, not really, but kind of analog that had the bad guy come out. I don't know. Just, it was neat. Uh, what do you think of all the religious stuff that turned up at the end? Uh, it was surprising. I didn't expect it. Yeah, I wasn't ready for, like, a catholic church and crosses and stuff that was that was very interesting and quite funny eh, to see how americans and and their religiousness was portrayed to a japanese audience yeah there's that and the other thing that and i had forgotten it was in this as much as it was i'm not going to call it blackface but the darkening of the native skin uh, that's a little iffy yeah i mean of its time but you know, acknowledge it at least so that we can be respectful of the history, but 
Dude, I love this movie. This was so much fun. Yeah, and I'm so glad that, Matt, you're like, let's go see it. Cause, and I, I really was kind of dragging my heels. Like, I don't know, man. I'm so busy. So glad we did it. Oh, me too. Uh, early on, I was really excited. A few days out, I was like, oh, I don't know if I really want to buy the ticket to see it. But now that I have, I'm, I'm ready to come back for another kaiju movie. Well, we'll definitely do some kaiju flicks. We'll do a little kaiju marathon at some point. Um, at your place, my place, or somewhere. It'll be a blast. And Beth, thank you for doing this as well. Absolutely. I had a great time, and I'm down for whenever the next uh, Pied is. We're, we're wrapping up. We got to get out of here. They're doing another screening, so here we go. All right, it's over. What did you think? Oh, my goodness. That was amazing. Yeah? Yeah, that's got to be my favorite kaiju film to date. Really? Well, so. I don't think so. Wow. All right. All right. And, and Matt's leading over. I got to hear what he says. I agree with Beth. That was amazing. Incredible. Like, sometimes at home when you watch miniature effects on TV or a computer screen, you know, it doesn't quite hold up. Watching it on a big screen, you realize that this was made to be seen on a big screen and to be projected. Like, the effects held up. Like, I was captivated. I was enthralled. Watching the destruction and the people run around, it, it was great. I was really impressed. Honestly, I was even a little seasick during some of the ocean scenes with the ships. It was so good. Like, on the big screen, it really gave you the effect of being happy. I remember back in film school, Matt, you and I had conversations about building sets like that to put on film and destroy. Um, so I'm sitting here watching this. It's such a weird experience to watch a movie that has all these incredible miniatures uh, by Subaraya, the creator of Ultraman, uh, doing all this amazing work. And then sitting here next to you is watching this go down and all the stuff get broken and, and destroyed. It just gorgeous to look at man yeah the details like i want to do some research now now and see how many probably hundreds or thousands of hours went into building these miniature sets the level of detail and accuracy just blew my mind and you started giggling at one point uh the combination of san francisco la and new york that was new kirk city was hilarious and i gotta say i'm not sure that's why they call it battery park but <laughs> new kirk city um like i want to do like a mock t-shirt you now like straight out of new kirk with the with mothra stuff all over it you know just that was that was fine i'd forgotten that they had this weird american not really but kind of analog that had the bad guy come out i don't know just it was neat uh what you think of all the religious stuff that turned up at the end uh it was surprising i didn't expect it yeah, I wasn't ready for like a Catholic church and crosses and stuff. That was that was very interesting and quite funny to see how Americans and and their religiousness was portrayed to a Japanese audience. Yeah, there's that and the other thing that and I had forgotten it was in this as much as it was. I'm not going to call it blackface, but the darkening of the native skin. Ah. <laughs> uh, that was a little iffy. Yeah, I mean, of its time, but, you know, acknowledge it at least so that we can be respectful of the history. But, dude, I love this movie. This was so much fun. Yeah, and I'm so glad that, Matt, you're like, let's go see it. Cause, and I, I really was kind of dragging my heels. Like, I don't know, man. I'm so busy. 
So glad we did it. Oh, me too. Uh, early on, I was really excited. A few days out, I was like, oh, I don't know if I really want to buy the ticket to see it. But now that I have, I'm, I'm ready to come back for another kaiju movie. Well, we'll definitely do some kaiju flicks. We'll do a little kaiju marathon at some point. Um, at your place, my place, or somewhere. It'll be a blast. And Beth, thank you for doing this as well. Absolutely. I had a great time, and I'm down for whenever the next uh, kaiju ceremony is. We're, we're wrapping up. We got to get out of here. They're doing another screening. So here we go. Yes, I realized that was a rather abrupt ending to that conversation. But as I said there in the recording, they needed us to leave. They had another screening. They were showing Skinamarink that evening at the Hollywood Theater. And there was very little turnaround time between the end of Mothra and the beginning of that movie. So we had to bail. And after that, Matt and his family and I and Beth we chatted briefly in the lobby, but didn't pull out the recorder because, again, it was pretty busy. They have a lot of people there, and we didn't want to just be sitting there taking up space. Plus, it was getting late, and it was time to go home. But I did want to take a moment here to pop in and just kind of talk a little bit more about the experience. Just me right now. Beth isn't here, so it's just me. Sorry, I, I know Beth makes the show better, but I do want to say that I had a grand time. I know that I might have implied in the previous recording that Mothra wasn't really my bag, that even though I'm a relatively recent convert to the ways of the kaiju and all that, Mothra's always been the one that has kind of been separate because it's a different animal type. It's not a reptile like all the others. It's an insect. It's a bug versus something with scales. And I always felt like it deserved to kind of be its own thing and it needed to be separated from, you know, I may be a relatively new convert to the kaiju films, like I said, within the past 10 years or so. And I love them now. Don't get me wrong. I adore them. They're so much fun. I enjoy tokusatsu and kaiju and all of that stuff. But when I was young and was starting to get into uh, all things monster, the Crestwood House monster books were the ones that kind of opened my eyes to everything. And they did have a Godzilla book and they do have, I don't think it's a separate book. Is it for Mothra? I don't remember. I'd have to go double check the shirt that I have available right now, which honors the Crestwood House monster books available for sale right now over at monsterkidradio.net for $35. Includes shipping here in the U.S. Anyway, I'd have to go double check to see. I don't remember if there's a separate Mothra book or not. But I do remember being told, or at least reading about the story of Mothra and the connection between Mothra and the two fairies, you know, the peanuts. And even then, I thought, you know, that's not really for me. And I don't know if it was because I was a stupid boy and wasn't supposed to like girl things. I don't know what that was all about. I, I don't know. But now, as an adult, as somebody who has watched a lot of these movies and seen a lot of these movies over and over and over again, I have to say, Mothra made quite an impact on me, quite the impression on me this time around. It was amazing to see it on the big screen, subtitled. I think that's important because, as I said earlier, the last time I saw Mothra was on the big screen, but it was for a Rift Tracks presentation of Mothra several years ago. And that was a dubbed presentation. I don't think Rift Tracks does subtitles, do they? Anyway, I saw it dubbed then. I saw it subtitled this time around, and to me, that made all the difference. I'm not sure why that is. I've always been drawn more towards subtitled versus dubbed. Yeah, it can be like, oh, you know, subtitles more. 
accurate to the actual intention of their screenwriters and all that. But that's not always the case either. I, I don't know. It just feels more authentic to see the movie subtitled. So I enjoyed seeing it that way. And all the stuff at the end, the religion being brought in the way that it was really interesting. And this is stuff that kind of went way over my head the last time I saw this. And I don't know if it's because I'm just a little bit more aware, a little bit more cognizant of it now, but it makes me wonder about Mothra's place in what was going on in the society of Japan at the time regarding Christianity's influence, uh, Western's religion influence on things going on in Japan at the time. I don't know. I'd have to do some research and learn a little bit more. I, I am woefully ignorant when it comes to the uh, political history, religious history, and pop cultural history outside of German monsters when it comes to things in Japan. So it's something I'm, I'm interested in and would like to learn a little bit more about. And if you have any feedback or direction or any thoughts on any of that, I'd love to hear them. Please email me at monsterkidradio at gmail.com or you can always call and leave us a voicemail. Our voicemail line is area code 360, then 524-2484. And I'm going to use this to segue into the end of the show where I tell you you can find that information on our website over at monsterkidradio.net. Everything you need to know about Monster Kid Radio, it's right there. Our contact information links to our Facebook page, our Facebook group, our Discord, our Reddit, our Twitch, our Patreon, our YouTube. It's all right there. Please consider giving it all a follow or a like or a link or a poke or a view or a whatever it is you do on all these different social media outlets. I don't use them myself enough. So, you know, anything that you can do to uh, communicate or interact or grow the community, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for all of your support. And thank you for downloading this episode. Please consider sharing with a friend, letting people know about the good time that we have here at Monster Kid Radio. Big thank you. Of course, to my beautiful fiance Beth, and one of my longest time friends, one of my best friends in the world, my brother from another mother, as he says, okay, I probably say it too, Matt, thank you so much for being part of the show this week. Listeners, you're going to hear Matt again in the future in various projects of mine, whether it's on the podcast, in different YouTube projects, or a documentary that we keep talking about making, and darn it, it's going to happen. Matt and I have a lot of stuff coming up in the future together. Beth and I, of course, have a ton of stuff coming up. And I'm not just talking about the wedding. Stay tuned to monsterkidradio.net and at least follow us on Facebook because that's where all the announcements are going to happen first when it comes to all things MKR. You can find links to our Amazon affiliate page, so please consider following that link if you're going to buy anything on Amazon. It helps us out tremendously here at the show. Throws a few dollars our way in the end. It takes a few bucks out of Jeff Bezos' pockets and puts it in ours and helps to afford everything that we do here at MKR. Money's getting a little tight, so really appreciate your support that way. Also, we've got those shirts that I've mentioned, the Monster Kid Radio Flying Saucer logo shirt. It's a Hawaiian-style shirt. I love it. I've worn it numerous places. It's a great shirt, man. Highly recommend it. $35. Sizes XS, so extra small, to 6X. You can get it for yourself, we also have the Crestwood House Monsters Tribute Hawaiian Style shirt as well. I say Hawaiian style, but the pattern really is less Hawaiian and more just flat out cool. Not that Hawaiian is not cool. I mean, of course it is, but you, you know what I mean. Anyway, it's $35. That includes shipping here in the U.S. 
send the money to me via PayPal. Follow the links or the, the directions on our website at monsterkidradio.net to get your own shirts this way. Of course, I'm putting some things on eBay again, so if you're interested in anything on eBay, tinyurl.com slash mkreBay. And then as I mentioned last week, I've got a big event coming up in mid-February at Fan Expo Portland. Hmm, man, that's that's going to be awesome. If you're in the area, I would love to meet you. I would love to see you. We're going to be recording a live episode of Monster Kid Radio there. And I'm launching a superhero book. And it's going to be fun, too. So we got all of that stuff coming up in the worlds of Monster Kid Radio. Although what I cannot tell you about is what's coming up next week. Uh, and it sounds like I'm starting to make this a gimmick or a thing. It's really not. It's not a ploy to get you to follow me on Facebook, but seriously, follow me on Facebook because that's where I announce what the next episode of Monster Kid Radio is going to be, but I can't get it planned ahead in time. So, yeah, follow me there. Although, you know, doing this episode, I, I think we are going to do that Kaiju Lie. I think we're going to do Kaiju movies in the month of July. I think I think it's going to happen. There, there's a couple of Kaiju-themed episodes that I've been wanting to do for a while. Let's just pull the trigger on it, man. Let's just make it happen, you know? Thanks again for listening to Monster Kid Radio. I appreciate you so much. Until next week, remember, Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0, unported license. My name is Derek M. Cook. I'll talk to everybody next week. Ciao.